0: Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So here we are in December, last month of the year, last series of the year. And in preparation for this series, I looked back on my first message that I wrote for 2021 because that first message of 2021 is always usually a vision casting message, Uh, It probably contains our prophetic word for the year. That is a declaration of what we want to see happen in this body and in this community. And that's why you see transform on the wall. That's why you see transform in our bathrooms. When we don't have Christmas decorations everywhere, you see transform out in our lobbies on signs. And that was our theme for 2021. We wanted to see transformation. So I went back and I was just, you know, before we ended the year, I felt like I wanted to sew things up through this series, but I just wanted to look at that first message. And there was a couple of scriptures in there that I wanted to reshare with you guys. It was Ephesians 4, verse 14 through 16. It says this, then we will no longer be immature like children. Somebody say, grow up. Y'all remember talking about that? I feel like I remember the room shouting, Grow up. I think that may have even been the title of the message. But it says, Then we will no longer be like immature children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies. So clever, they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Growing in every way, this is process language. Growing in every way to be more And more like Christ. And what we elaborated on, what we emphasize is this is a process. Transformation is a process, but it is a process. We need to take part in by yielding to the Spirit of God, by pressing in, growing in our spiritual disciplines, becoming more and more like Christ. And I hope that as we've emphasized this throughout the whole year, as you reflect on January of 2021, reflect on where you're at in December of 2021, I hope that you've experienced transformation. I hope that you can look back and say, I am following Jesus better now in December of 2021 than I was in January, 2021. The verse continues, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy, and growing, and full of love. And if we wanna see transformation as a community, then it starts with you and I experiencing transformation in our own personal lives. So this is, uh, this is something that we've been challenging and encouraging you guys to take part in. There was another verse, Colossians 2, 6-7. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. This isn't just a one and done type thing. This is a journey. This is a process. This is a walk. Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Now think about that. Let your lives be built on him. Think of everything that makes up your life, relationships, career, your conversations, your. Their, think of all the little nooks and crannies that makes up our lives. And when you think about what am I building my life on, do I weave in Christ to every part of my life? The way I engage with my wife, the way I engage with my kids, the way I engage with my coworkers, when I'm by myself, my personal integrity, whatever, you name it, all these different aspects of our life that make up our life, are they built on Jesus? Have we built our lives? Have we, have our roots grown deeper? Again, I just, I just wonder as we reflect on 2021, have your roots grown deeper? Are you just still where you were at in January of 2021? It says, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Sorry, I shouldn't have muted my mic. You see me about to cough, you you gotta work with me here. (laughs) Throat's a little scratchy. Remember, we were coming out of, 2020, when we decided to come up with this theme of transformation for 2021. Um, And and because in 2020, I felt like not only the church, but really the world experienced a little bit of a shaking, but the shaking's okay because the the fire is what refines the gold, right? Um, The trials that we walk through in life, sometimes I I really believe there's only, sometimes it's only trials that can develop within us what needs to be developed. So, Although there was a shaking, I think that shaking could really be a good thing if we respond to what was revealed through that shaking. Y'all with me? Okay, so one of the things that was revealed to many of us believers is the reality of the fragility of our faith. I think some of that got exposed to us, and maybe not for you, but I know for me, and I've been pretty open with that, Mark, when you're not preaching, when you're not in the church every week, what does your spiritual life look like? What does your pursuit of Jesus look like when you're not responsible for these things? I got some holes poked in me and I'll imagine I wasn't the only one who got some holes poked in themselves, amen? But pastors all over America recognize us that the church maybe hasn't done the best job of cultivating Christians whose roots have grown strong in the truth we were taught. So when we lose that one hour of church a week, uh, there's a, a, there, there was a deterioration of our devotion to Jesus and our desire to know him and love him because we think that, you know, maybe we've led in such a way that it caused people to believe that our relationship with Jesus only happens inside these four walls and it's so much greater than that. You know, at the end of the day, the doors are shut. Who cares? The church should still continue to operate. The church ain't the building, Right? I can personally testify, 2020 revealed holes in my relationship, in my devotion to, and my commitment to Jesus. But because I was able to recognize some of that, because I was able to, some of that was revealed, I feel like I'm coming out of 2021 a better Jesus follower, a better father, a better husband, a better leader, all of that. So, considering all this, you know, transform was an incredibly fitting theme. We we wanted to come out of 2020 and you know take all that had been sort of revealed as the dust was beginning to settle. What do we want to do differently? What what's been revealed to us through this trial, through this shaking? We want to respond to it, and that's what we've taken 21 to do together as a church. You know, I, and I hope as we navigate through December of 2021, we can look back on the days, the weeks, and the months and be able to acknowledge in 2021 that we matured spiritually, our roots grew deeper, and we experienced spiritual growth. Um, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but if you look at all of our transform graphics, like in the lobbies, and the bathrooms, there's these three little symbols. Have y'all seen those? Okay, so you have a cradle, cross, and a crown, a cradle, a cross, and a crown. There's some intentionality into this creative stuff, you know. And we want to use the cradle, the cross, and the crown as sort of our guiding theme for this series as we conclude with um, the series titled Transform. Not only are these images symbolic of the story of the gospel, but they're symbolic of the transformation Jesus experienced and made way for us to experience ourselves. These three images, they'll drive the next three weeks of messages, and then um, I want you guys to mark your calendar on the 26th. We won't meet in person on that Sunday, okay? That's going to be an online service, so for the next three weeks, we'll have in-person services, but I'm going to pray, and then then we can jump into this Word, okay? I didn't already pray, did I? Okay, I didn't think so. Jesus, we love you, and uh, we're so grateful for the opportunity to gather in your house, to open up your Word, to let it Prick our hearts, convict our hearts, uh, transform our hearts. Your word is alive and active. I pray you till the soil of our heart. Help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your truth, the seed of your word. Let it grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed. We want to be more like Jesus. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Uh, Holy Spirit, prepare us for what you have. Help us to walk out of here strengthened in spirit. And I pray that this church would foster kids. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if everybody knows this in the room, but in like two and a half weeks, I'm gonna have a baby girl, okay? Pretty excited about that. Yeah, yeah, pretty excited about that. Uh, really looking forward to that. Also kind of terrified. You know, I can tell I'm a procrastinator because it's like Abigail's been wanting to talk to the baby every night, wanting me to feel the baby every night. And I love my wife, but every day for nine months, it's like, okay, I get it. There's a baby in your belly, I wanna to go to bed. You know what I mean? Right or wrong, that's just how I felt. I'm just being honest. And, uh, you know, it's, I think to really have those waves of, when we first found out there's those waves of emotion, but kind of this process, but now that we're only two weeks out, it's like, oh my gosh, we're really having a bit, is the room ready? Do we have clothes? Do we have diapers? Do we have like everything that we need for this thing? Like, I, I can't believe in two weeks it's going to be here and I'm just really starting to freak out, but, you know, I don't know if, if you guys are totally familiar with our story or not. I've shared it a few times from stage, but. Uh, really, when I very, even right before I started dating Abigail, I remember she was crying on her couch and she told me she had a brain tumor. You know, it's not cancerous or anything, it's benign. But she knew that this was going to cause a lot of complications in her life. There was some risk there. And one of those things specifically being maybe not being able to have kids. And I remember specifically saying, this is a lot of baggage. If you don't want to date me, I totally get it. But for me, I was like head over heels already. So it wasn't no big deal. But <clears throat> we, uh, you know, as we, Went through our dating years as we got married. We just kind of dealt with the tumor. And I remember through those years um praying and fasting and asking God, dissolve the tumor, take it away, heal her in a miraculous way. Like God, this is so easy for you. And, you know, we would go back to the doctor, we'd get our scans, we'd get our tests, and it'd be worse, or it would be growing, or it would just be exactly where it was. Or whatever it might be, or we had to continue taking the meds and the meds made her feel crummy and she didn't like taking the meds. And it's just been a little bit of a journey for us. And, you know, my wife didn't really even ovulate for close to 10 years. So we didn't know if we could have kids or not. And I don't know, you know, so in, in, in that in between of where we're at now, there were just some moments of being a little frustrated with God you know, really trust in his provision and his process and that he saw us and that he heard our prayer. And it's just like, God, this is so easy for you. Like, why won't you just, anyone been there? Just walk through something. It's like, God, I don't get it. Like, if you were good, if you really cared, you know, or if, I, I don't know. It's like, I wouldn't do it this way. Why would, I, I'm, I'm struggling to understand why would you allow this to happen? And for us, I really feel like God withheld some things in his grace And uh, forced us to step in. You know, we're fostering a one-year-old or two-year-old and three-year-old now. And it's been incredible. It's been one of the most, you know, beautiful things that I've ever been a part of. And so I feel like I have clarity on maybe why some of those things were withheld for a moment. But I know sometimes uh, there's also other trials and moments in my life I don't have that clarity. And I still don't understand, God, what were you doing? And if we were to be honest in the room, maybe some of us have walked through some seasons moments. Maybe you find yourself in a season right now where you're just downright frustrated with God. Maybe you have some trust issues with God. (coughs) Sorry. And uh, I don't know, maybe you've walked through something where it's like, God, where are you? God, I thought you cared. I I thought you were good. And... uh, If we were to all be really honest, these moments can sometimes leave us in the mindset, I think, that foolishly believes, God, I know better than you. Because if I was you, I would do it this way and it would be better or it would make more sense or I wouldn't have done it like that or I would have done it like that. And if we're unwilling to admit that, at least we have a righteous man in the Bible named Job who we can kind of point the finger at and uh, take the blame off of us. But... I, I just wanted to use the story, not so much because of the trial that he walked through, but it's more of the response that God gives to Job in one of his relinquishing of his anguish moments. He, uh, Job was a righteous man, a good man, had a big family, was a wealthy man. And little by little, if you haven't read the story in, in the Old Testament, he gets little things removed bit by bit. And then he loses, he loses big things. He loses his family, uh, loses everything that gives him wealth. Then his friends are constantly speaking discouragement into him, over him. And it's trial after trial. And Job loved God, but he's finally at his breaking point. Uh, His journey was was much more gruesome than mine was. And he finally has this moment where he cries out to God and he says, Look, did I do something? Are we good? Do you care? Do you see me? Like, let me know. What's, What's the deal, God? Frustrated, broken, cries out, God, what's going on? And and that's not so much the part that I want to focus on as much as it is what we see in Job 38 in verses 1 through 18, God's response. And almost two years ago, we did a series titled um, Asking for a Friend. And one of the messages was, why does God allow suffering? The whole series was kind of based around addressing difficult conversations that, or difficult questions that maybe non-believers or believers wrestle with, or don't really feel like they have good answers for. And we just kind of wanted to take some of those things head on and I remember in one of the messages we did addressing why does God allow suffering? This was one of the verses that I read. And I remember as I read it, I actually began to weep. I, I think from conviction, but also just recognizing who God is. And I think what the Lord is doing in this passage that we'll read is he's reminding Job of who he is. And I think for us, this is gonna be helpful for us to be reminded of who he is. Check this out. Verse 38. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Consider everything Job's gone through. He's cried out to God and here's how God responds. The Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, Job, because I'm about to lay it on you. Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? And as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst forth from the womb, as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness? Job, don't forget who I am creator of all things continues i locked it behind barred gates limiting its shores i said this far and no farther will you come here your proud waves must stop have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east Job? have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay, pressed beneath the seal and it's robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. In verse 16, he continues, Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. I love this. It's one of these verses you read and you just feel about that big. Makes you want to be like, I, I think honestly, it's, it, it provokes emotion in me because I know I'm like Job and I didn't even walk through half of what Job walked through. And I just think of how many times have I tried to put God in his place or been frustrated with God and forgot just who he is and who I am in the equation. This might be one of the most humbling verses or passages to read. I want to take a look at another verse. Out of Revelation, there's a guy named John. He's in isolation on an island and the Lord gives him a vision. And he says this in chapter four, verse one through six. He says, then as I looked, I saw a door standing open in heaven and the same voice I had heard before spoke to me like a trumpet blast. The voice said, come up here. I'll show you what must happen after this. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones like Jasper and Carnelian. In the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him. 24 elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne, there were seven torches with burning flames this is the sevenfold spirit of god in front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal our god is so much larger so much more majestic than we may ever be able to imagine and i i see that john's doing his best to communicate it in words but i have to believe that even these words don't quite fit the glory that he got to experience in this vision do we know who god is do we know how massive and vast and glorious God is? One more. Romans one twenty. Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Okay, so every day, you and I, we go outside, we see the earth, we see the sky. You agree, say amen. And then he says, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. What this verse is communicating is that the glory of God fills the earth. Every nook and cranny of the earth is filled with the glory of God so that we can walk outside and see his invisible qualities where we really have no excuse for not knowing God because we can see him in everything. Do we understand how vast, massive, wondrous, glorious he really is. Mark, why are you reading these verses? I think because if we're gonna talk about the cradle, if we're gonna address the cradle, but we haven't grasped the majesty, the wonder, the magnitude, the magnificence of your creator, then you're missing out on the significance of the same God crying in the cradle. The same God, that keeps the sea inside its boundaries, the same God that is as brilliant as gemstones, the same God that has filled the earth so full of himself, we can clearly see invisible qualities. What does that even mean? That God crying in a cradle. And that's what Christmas remembers. That's what Christmas celebrates. That's what Christmas acknowledges. That's what we have to reflect on as as we lead up to December 25th. Santa Claus is fun. Family time is treasured. Presents are joyous to give and receive, but in the Christmas shuffle, shuffle that culture creates, we can't forget the greatest gift the earth ever received, and it's Christ crying in a cradle. Do we understand what that represents do we understand the humility of our God to put himself in a cradle, to enter earth as a vulnerable baby? There's a verse that I feel like wraps some perfect language around that which is happening. Philippians 2, verse 6, it says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. That's what we see in the cradle. That's what we see here. That the God who keeps the sea in its boundaries would come in a form where he's dependent on his mother for food. That a God, that he would give up his divine privileges in such a way that he would give up the ability to communicate, to even talk when he's created every language on earth. <laughs> like, do we understand that? Do we, uh, do we understand what the cradle symbolizes and communicates to us about our God? Let's keep reading. He gave up divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And we'll get to that next week. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. What Christ in the cradle represents is Christ the Savior, the Messiah making the sacrifice for you and I because he loves us. for Forsaking the glory of heaven to invade earth on a rescue mission for you and I. To give up everything that he had to feel what we feel, to walk through what we walk through, to experience the things that we experience, to take our sin and our shame. I think about, you know, there's there's the very obvious sacrifice of the cross and we get that. But that sacrifice begins in the cradle of him giving up these divine privileges. And I think about myself, I think about the humility of God. And sometimes I'm so selfish, I have a hard time rolling out of bed to go get my kid a bottle. And here we have the, the God of the earth leaving heaven. We serve a God so humble, though he sets the boundaries of the sea. He comes to earth in the most vulnerable form, a baby that can't speak, can't eat. And why? Why would he do it so you and I could be rescued from our sin and have eternity with him? So you and I could be transformed. Christ in the cradle and worship team, you can come. Christ in the cradle is really what Christmas is all about. That's what we remember. That's what we celebrate. That's what we acknowledge. That's where gratitude comes. That's where our thankfulness, that's the source of it in this season, the greatest gift to all humanity. And here's what the Bible tells us. When we put faith in the fact that that baby that grows into a man that will eventually die on a cross for the sin of the world, when we put faith in the fact that Jesus wasn't just a man, but he was the sacrificial lamb, the perfect sacrifice for all of humanity. The Bible says, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord, everything changes, everything's transformed. You'll be saved. So for us, you know, over these next couple weeks, over this month, couples in the room, uh, good conversation to have with yourselves. How we experienced transformation this year? What areas of your life do you feel like you experienced transformation? Did your roots grow deeper this year? Are you following Jesus better in December of 2021 than you were in, 20, in January of 2021? Talk with your friends, go get lunch. What area of your life have you experienced transformation? Or, or is it just that we come in here every week And and we just listen and walk out and don't experience transformation in the pre-service prayer that God help us to not just hear, but help us to be doers is just falling on deaf ears. Are we really experiencing transformation? Are we dying to ourselves? Are our lives reflecting that all things were created through him and for him? Is our life a response to a God that gave up divine privileges, inhabited earth, and bore the cross for you and I? Or has it become common? Colossians 2 says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. Are we continuing to follow him? Are we following him? Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you'll overflow with thankfulness. I just wanna give the quick opportunity if you're not following Jesus, but you wanna follow Jesus, I just, as a a little declaration of faith, I want to give you the opportunity to respond, and then I want to say a prayer together. You would bow your heads, close your eyes for a minute. If you're in the room and you say, I want to follow Jesus, and I'm, I'm not following Jesus, and I want to follow him right now, would you raise your hand? I want to say a quick prayer with you. That's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want relationship with him. All right, let's go ahead and stand. I don't see any hands, but let's say this prayer together. Come on, say it loud and proud. Jesus! We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me new. Transform me. I'm never going back. In Jesus' name, amen here's what I want to do I just want to take some time two songs to respond to the fact that we serve a God who gave up divine privileges and inhabited a cradle in pursuit of you and I he's worthy of praise he's worthy of honor and he's worthy of glory and in this house today he's going to get it come on let's worship